if I'm effective, it's because of one simple fact. I don't give a And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike. One co-host also, Mike, is here as well as we are from a great distance, hiding behind our scopes right now, doing our best Fassbender impressions, talking about David Fincher's The Killer in this Oscars review episode, Michael. So I picture you, when I'm droning on, having the Michael Fassbender inner monologue, just trying to hold back from, you know... <laughs> lunging across, out. yeah, at me. That's what I picture. That's what a paranoid personality I am. To give people a look behind mm-hmm. the curtain, uh, I don't have this monologue. I don't. I, I don't think sane people do. So it's just like you and him, <laughs> just but... saying the same things over and over again in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Every time adversity Talk to strikes, the mics. keep your calm. <laughs> Forbid empathy. Forbid empathy. Look, we uh, we're back doing a film study. I'm glad about this. We got a couple coming over the next uh, few weeks here. It's been a while since our last one, right? Mm-hmm. I can't even remember what we did last, but uh, it's 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 been a ton of Oscar race checkpoints, and it's it's a good thing to get into the season again, Michael, with these film studies. And this is like a this is an Oscars profile, I would say, even though it's going to be an Oscar lens debate at the end of uh, the spoiler or the non spoiler first half. Yeah, so that's uh, if you've not joined us before for an Oscars profile uh, movie review, they are two reviews for the price of one. And the first half is where we do the hold everything up to the Oscars lens. We talk about the Oscars chances of the movie. We go through uh, the the technicals of it, the behind the camera stuff, the setup of it, some plot points, but we won't spoil anything. We'll spoil and go deeper into the plot in the second half of every review, uh, every Oscars profile episode. That's where we do all the spoilers in the second half. So if you've not seen The Killer yet, don't worry. This is where you want to be. We will not spoil it for you in the first half of this episode of this review, Michael. Yeah, and uh, like uh, like the last auteur's film that we covered in Oscar's profile, which I just looked up, Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan. You know, oh, yeah, you have uh, out, huh? right, right? That was that was the last one. I mean I just scrolled yeah. through our list. Anyway, but but like Nolan, David Fincher has his wife as his filmmaking partner here. She's been on on almost every single one of his movies. Uh Sean Shafflin, if I'm saying I don't know how to pronounce these uh beautiful Words. Welsh <laughs> Irish Anglo Saxon uh, sounding names i'm just digging yeah no that deserves the inner monologue from across the uh, episode in this one no i i uh, i love the fact that david fincher makes all of his movies with his wife and uh this is his second for next netflix his 12th feature film overall the killer is based on a french graphic novel series by alexis max mats nolent critical reception is high michael 86 percent audience re- reception solid 50k votes after three days on imdb and just to for comparison's sake the holdovers which i think we're doing next and priscilla yeah. have either three to four k votes mm-hmm. so the killer getting that much exposure in three days begs the argument or the debate here of whether or not it's good that david fincher if it's good for david fincher that he is on netflix for these movies a lot of yeah. people don't like him being on Netflix. I would have liked to see, or at least looked up. I don't know how you would possibly do this, but what were the the same IMDb type voting metrics after Mank was out for a couple of days? Does it have to do with the content? Is it all Fincher driven? Is it all Netflix driven? 
you know, what, what is it exactly? But as far as Fincher being on Netflix, that's been kind of a back and forth for the last few years. We've talked about this. These auteurs go to Netflix. They kind of get free range to do whatever they want. Their passion projects and Netflix is happy to have them in house and for better or for worse is how it turns out. Greta Gerwig is the next big name going there for the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series, right? So I it, am not happy about that. Stop remaking that. Stop yeah. leave that property alone. Yeah, I'm probably with you there. But I mean it it is it is a fact of the business right now. Netflix is loaded with cash and a lot of our friends of the show, a lot of the people we but they're loaded with credit. <laughs> yeah, no, they're upset that this film is not on it's not on in theaters. Now I saw it in theaters. I know you you watched it at home, but yeah. I loved it in theaters. I thought that immersion was very necessary, very cool. I'm curious about your movie watching experience. Were you able to to dive in and lock in? Yeah, I was. I'm I'm starting Good. to get to a point where I'm I'm really appreciating the at home experience versus the theatrical one because I'm somebody that needs like I need the ability to run to the bathroom and pause and like gather my thoughts and rewind and stuff. I need the Zach Morris. Uh, <laughs> abilities in life from Saved by the Bell where I can pause real time and gather my thoughts for a second as I'm doing this and trying to think critically about it. And it certainly lends itself more to my ability to rewatch things. So, yes. uh, yeah, I, I, I did not mind. And I'm able to, like, set the mood, too. Like, you know, I yes, this should be viewed in a dark room. It shouldn't be viewed on, like, your phone with the <laughs> lights on somewhere. So right. I think you should pay it that kind of respect. I, I'll tell you what. I love the rewatches. And I also locked myself in. Uh, it's it's a great theatrical movie, though. I, I will stay and I will mm. bang the table for that. And I do hope Fincher goes back to the movies. However, I have had a, a very strong relationship with Fincher at home, too. I don't know about you, but I was not seeing his films in theaters when I was young. I kind of caught up with much of his filmography. Oh, that's a good point. In uh, high school and college, you know, so it wasn't like I think yeah. Zodiac was the first movie I saw of his in theaters. I think yeah, I saw I think them I'm all the same way yeah. after that point. So like these movies play great in the dorm room. They play great mm-hmm. for the bros, bro. Like the bros, the bros. <laughs> we watch did worry these movies. about that too. We had that conversation. It's like, are we just how how much are we embracing our inner film, bro? But screw it. I mean, Fincher's a legitimate filmmaker. Tarantino's a legitimate filmmaker. These guys are making some of the greatest American directors going. And the bros are kind of misinterpreting these movies if they love them <laughs> because this movie makes fun of the bros. But uh, I hate to say it, guys. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, film bros is a very specific term. We've had to go deep on that one in the past. But but look, I, 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 I hope this movie does well. I think uh, to tease my review, I'm a little higher on it than you, but we're both pretty fairly yeah, well high. It's a good on movie. It. It's a good right. movie. It's definitely worthy to watch. All right, so the overall composition thoughts, and I, I want to go a little faster in the non-spoiler section because we've got a lot of details to cover in the spoiler section, Michael, but I do love the Andrew Kevin Walker of it all here. There are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of creepy, messed up details in this movie. Seven, eight millimeter, Sleepy Hollow, Hollow Windfall was a recent Andrew Kevin Walker script. I love the reunion between those two. Those are three first names. Hmm. That's my take. I was taken aback by that. I didn't read that previously. Andrew, Kevin Walker. All right. Uh, yeah, 7 and 8 millimeter you can kind of see definitely. I don't know that I get a Sleepy Hollow vibe, but that's a totally different type of movie anyway. But, yeah, this is – this is. I saw you have this written down too, and it's something that definitely stuck out to me. This is – it's certainly compared to Fincher's last movie anyway, but very, very linear movie. Yes, easy to follow. Easy. The, the plot is very simple. Yeah. Very simple. And it's it, very A to B. 
it, it's like a purist assassin film. And it, and you write it down here. Like the, my big takeaway uh, after our first watch is like, this is a procedural. This is like, this is like a day in the life or a month. It's a how to guide. I mean, there's, there's parts of this that are literally just a how to, to be a hitman. <laughs> Which is, I mean, let's let's you know take that for what it's worth. But it's also like kind of almost video game like, mm. like okay, here's the next setting, and this is your obstacle, and you kind of this is I actually called it Hitman on the first uh, intro, the first take of the intro for this episode we did because it reminds me of the Hitman video game series. Like this is your obstacle, you got to figure out a way to figure out to, to get close to your target, and these are the obstacles in your way. You got to find your key card, you got to figure out a way to break into the building. Blah blah blah. It's very like levels set, video game level set almost. That being said, as as irksome as it is to be in this world and this underbelly of society with this guy, people call Fincher movies nihilistic and they call them ice cold and whatnot. Like to me, this movie is this POV assassin character going to great lengths to explain himself and with one flourish after another, with one detail after another, David Fincher distinguishing how this man may be repressing his emotions, but he can't help but find deeper meaning in the end. It is an existential crisis throughout this well, it's film. Also, he's also not suppressing. He's trying to, to suppress his emotions. He's right. talking himself through suppressing his emotions. Yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's mental gymnastics. And yeah, and it's like, almost makes being a hitman like any other job. <laughs> like, he's got to deal with the difficulties of his mundaneness and like... What what bores him about the profession and what gets him through and and that, it's it's really bizarre in some ways. And the big picture podcast, their coverage of it, kept talking about the hitman profession like all other modern professions, including oh, film critics. Yeah, I mean that's like, yeah. Like, we 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 were getting all kinds of parallels to David Fincher as an artist and this assassin, the killer, who's unnamed throughout the film. And like, I don't necessarily see that. I don't think, I don't think he's had a recent flop, correct, in his career, right? Anyway, I don't, you know, but, but the, clearly, clearly, this movie it, it, it has a satirical element. It 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 do, it's going for some jokes, and I wonder if that works for you as much as it worked for me because I'm laughing like a jerk watching this I movie. I think my brain took that too far. Because I have this whole, and I'll get into it in spoilers a little bit. I don't know how deep I'm going to go into it because <laughs> the second half undoes it. But there's definitely a, a through line in the first half that I've created where this guy is just a completely average, if not subpar, hitman. He's, uh, well, but do you want to watch a movie about a hitman where everything just goes according to plan? I mean, I think, yeah, but it's I think... more than that. It's more <laughs> than just like things go wrong because, of course, then you don't have a plot. You're absolutely right. I but don't want to like, watch that movie. No, know? no, nobody would. But it, it, this is this. I you can make the case that this is the guy who you work with in your office who thinks he's management or like wants to be management, but he's got the same title as you. And he's like, "Come on, guys, we got to get to work." And it's like, "Bro, you're we get paid the same amount. Relax. Like you're not my <laughs> boss." It's that guy in the hitman world, but everything's from his perspective. Mm, yeah, the tryhard, the overeager. Well, yeah. the Morrissey fans. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the fact that he is a Smiths fan, yeah, it, it adds so much more to this. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I, I we'll get into the production values. Let's talk about the performances. Michael Fassbender's uh, The Killer character is going to go down as one of the all-time iconic, I, I think, 
hitmen and and assassins. I think people are going to dress up as him, uh, you know, next Halloween. Andrew Morgan's already made that joke on recent activity. I think I think when we think of a a, a very slim guy with the mask rolled up, the the you know the robber mask rolled up, walking through a parking garage, that's the image I'm going to have as a as an assassin for a very long time. Michael Fassbender embodied that role. There's no doubt about it. That being said, you're not on his Oscar campaign team. No, I, I mean, he, look, he's very good. He's Michael Fassbender. He's always very good, but I don't think this is, I, I, I pump the brakes at anything legendary or memorable happening here. As far as his performance, memorable is harsh. Yes. It's a very memorable performance, but like, I don't think this is awards worthy for, for this year. I, I like the subtleties of him eating an egg McMuffin. I really do. It is I an incredibly subtle it. performance. I get the joke you're going for, but it, I mean, it's all very reserved and pulled back because that's the type of guy he has to be. And it's, you know, forbid empathy is a big thing he keeps saying and do the job you're paid to do, et cetera, et cetera. So he's, it is very, very reserved. But those are also reasons that I think it, it'll have no traction whatsoever. He'll stare at somebody for an entire scene as they babble and you'll see, <laughs> you'll see his eyes water. Like that is just a very special talent mm. to me. You're, anyway, you're big into eyes. When we talked to Paul I'm Walter Hauser eyes. a couple of years ago, yeah, you, you were you were asking I, him about his eyes. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I I want to know. I'm that eyes are the windows to the something. Go ahead. Stomach. Land the plane. <laughs> the stomach and food is where I thought. Anyway, look, I, Tilda Swinton also has one of the best one-off sequences, scenes, whatever you want to say, of its type. And I, I just wanted to ask you, like, best cameo performance, if that ever became a category at Precursors, if not the Oscars, I would want performances like this being nominated there from Tilda Swinton. Sure. Uh, she was great in what she does. And she's, I don't know if it's her general aura or what, because she was just really playing Tilda Swinton, but she was very hateable. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Charles Parnell, also terrific. Parnell was great, yeah. I mean, the, the Arliss Howard, Carrie O'Malley had some great... Great reactions! Uh, what a what a tremendous performance by Carrie O'Malley. I would even go so far as saying I, I you know I have her in my list of supporting actresses. But these are such bite size roles. I mean, there is no small parts. We know this, but bite size roles that they're not going to factor into the Oscars equation. Unfortunately, you don't get inve- a chance to be invested into any of these characters, which right. is very unlike any other Hitman movie we've seen as well. And it's kind of like a deviation of of expectation on Fincher's part for this type of role, like any other assassin or revenge plot movie like we're overly invested because we have the the plot and the relationships and and all those ex- over explained to us and this mm-hmm. you really just kind of dropped in so you don't really have the the investment to any of these characters as you normally would i think you're there for the procedural as much as anything and it's a heliocentric performance by fassbender and yeah anyways uh, we'll move into the production values now I love some of the touches by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. He's been working with, they've been working with Fincher for a while. Social Network, Dragon Tattoo. They won for Soul recently as well. Pixar Soul, Gone Girl, Watchmen, etc. Like the techno basement from Hell music to open the movie <laughs> that they play later when when the when the you know the mission is clear. Like mm-hmm. I love that. And then mm-hmm. the calm, slow piano. Not what you'd think for his traveling and transition scenes. Uh, like it's kind of like the college campus without the the thrum and the 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 heavy note mm. from the social network. Uh, otherwise, like like the creepy underwater gurgle before the huge fight 
It was just a bizarre choice, but it really got you in the mood. Like, I, I just think that it's so, this is some inspired work, yet again, by Reznor and Ross. They're two of the best in the game. You're more uh, in tune with the score than I was this time. I didn't, I didn't, I was kind of scored, if I'm realizing, as you're going through this. So, yeah, I'm glad it resonated. And that being said, the soundtrack of the Smiths and Morrissey, as embattled he is yeah, as a personality. More, yeah. yeah. You know, clearly that is deliberate and that is for comedy's sake. Just wait till you hear. I'll go over the uh, the end, you know, the credit song. It's hysterical when you read the lyrics. But, okay, film editing, really good. Cinematography, you are a particular fan of. Eric Messerschmidt, the Oscar winner of Mank and David yeah. Fincher's latest uh, compatriot. Yeah. The camera's moving all over, and there's all sorts of shots, top-down, drone shots, low angle for the planes flying overhead. Uh, Messerschmidt was, was putting in work. There's a big fight scene that's shot in a very Fincher-type way. It's low-lit. It. The house is, has only, like, background lighting. In some scenes, it kind of looks like two shadows are literally going at it. It's a shadow boxing to a, to the most literal extent, when really, in the reality is, it's two guys just beating the snot out of one another. And I love an, that scene, that, Michael, for, for this oh, so good. reason in particular. That scene will have such smooth cinematography moving over the camera until they want us to feel like a rattle and, and a quick disorientation. Cause again, Fincher is so cognizant of his audience. He's not just going to do the born ultimatum and just mm. make you dizzy. Right. Cause that movie that I just, I, I wanted to throw up after watching <laughs> some of those Paul Greengrass films where you, the shaky cam is literally shaking and making me nauseous. However, you get a little bit of that in this just right at the perfect moments where we just want to just go, Oh my God, what's happening? You know, I love, it. I, I wonder too, I hope the continuity expert on set got paid a shitload because for Fincher, as notorious as he is to take take after take after take with a fight scene like that, with all the bits of glass and wood that are all spread about and the, the little trinkets that are knocked over and, you know, this, that and the other. It was like, I don't know how you can reshoot that fight scene so many times and have it look as streamlined as it was. The script so girl, hope, the script girl on this movie should be one of the highest paid people. Yeah. In the crew. <laughs> I hope the con if this was if Fincher went about that scene in particular in the Fincher way that we all know, I hope the continuity expert coordinator continuity coordinator was handsomely paid. Anyway, love the costumes. Uh love the production design. You get some particular characters that need to be characterized with some of the production design. Mm. Very smart. And there's some jokes at that expense. So production values are very strong. To get into the Oscar lens here, we I didn't talk about sound, but the sound is I thought next level. I thought the editing is is smooth as hell. Smooth. That's as where I would go with. If, I mean, if we're talking anything for Oscars legs, for me, sound and editing are probably the two. And yet, I I would even power rank higher the Fastbender of it all and the cinematography. Now you're not with me on Fastbender. You're with me on the cinematography. I can talk about cinematography. Yeah. I don't think I don't think this is getting more than two Oscar noms. If I had to put an over under, I would be surprised if it gets two. 1.5 yeah. and i yeah. think score is in the mix here just because of those guys and their profiles sure but like supporting actress i would doubt it adapted screenplay i sadly i would doubt it even though i would bang the table fincher as director again i'd bang the table for him here and and then best picture but i don't think it's happening i would love it to just because i'm such a fincher fan but yeah i don't 
again, it's a, just a weird Hitman movie. It's certainly not the type of movie that I thought I was getting. I wonder how that's going to carry. Not to say that it's not good. I mean, expectations. This is kind of the rare case of a film totally subverting expectations, but still being a very, very watchable and enjoyable movie. And I, I you get more out of it in rewatch as well. So I, I think that's resonating if you look at the review scores anyway with people. So I wonder yeah. how, how if this is meeting people's expectations in mass or not. I do wonder about the the overall, and and that's the problem with Netflix. We can't really tell, can yeah. we? And it's and it's something that could be a blip, unfortunately, because Netflix is going to come out with one movie after another. I mean, Rustin's mm-hmm. out this weekend, and then again, and you we're going to especially have, this time of year, yeah, yeah. So the killer does it get lost in the shuffle, or does it stay on that Netflix top ten for a long time? And again, we could kind of just by the IMDb number of votes tell that this movie is a massive hit on Netflix. And we would think that, all right, the bros love it. The cinephiles love it. The mass audiences seem to be tuning in. Does that play on the Academy at all? Because when Venice happened, Michael, it was, it didn't get the Oscars prestige kind of reception that a lot of these film festival movies do. And then it comes back and then people are like, wait a minute, this movie is, this movie is awesome. It's excellent. It's one of the best of the year. It's especially great for us sickos, one of Kenzie's favorite words there. <laughs> and I feel like a sicko, you know, being a, such a fan of this movie, but it, but it's true. A lot of us are sickos, and we like movies like this. I don't know. I wonder if movies like this, I mean, if they debut on in the festival circuit and they don't have the Oscars legs, if, if they get moved more towards October. Hmm as opposed to coming out in, like, the November where everything else is kind of getting... I mean, it's... Again, it's... I'm of two minds about it because they're, like... If this was a regular year, yeah, I could see this being pushed out, but also everything got pushed back because of the strike anyway, so now studios are rushing to dump everything out and, and blah, 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 so that's going to yes. affect this, too. So, I don't know. But yeah, this, this, to me, has a tendency... If I had to predict anyway, I would think this has a tendency to get lost in the shuffle a bit. Uh, it's unfortunate because I would I would want this movie to be a three or a four Oscar floor, and yeah. yet uh, I'm thinking it's going to be lesser than that. But uh, all right, uh, we did what we set out to do. Shorter non-spoiler section. We'll get into spoilers now. All righty. Spoilers ahead. Forbid empathy. Please. Trust no one. Fight only the battle you're paid to fight. This is what it takes if you want to succeed. This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for David Fincher's The Killer, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar, the Oscars profile episode. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause on us. Go check it out. It's streaming on Netflix right now or at your local theater, possibly. If you've seen the movie already, this is where you want to be. All spoilers from this point forward. The Killer, the Oscars profile episode, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Where are we starting, Mike? Well, I kind of wanted to start at the very ending, and I, I wondered this question. Was it the best choice for the movie to have this guy kind of finish it? I don't know if it's in triumph, but it is kind of in triumph there. Finishing his kill list. 
And you wonder, is this the start of a franchise? Like, there are 13 compendiums or albums of this graphic novel series. Did Netflix buy all of those? There are five mm. albums of the sequel series. Like, I'm wondering if Fincher wants to keep doing business with Netflix. It seems like he would. He's been been there for a while since House of Cards, Mindhunter, and now two films. Like, what sure. is this? You've asked this question. What is this movie? What is the killer? Are we seeing a bunch of these coming down the pike? Or, or, I don't know. It's so stylish, though. If you don't have Fincher attached, would you? I mean, you know he's not going to do a franchise, right? I don't know. He was going to do the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo franchise. Yeah, but he didn't. He he did the first one, expecting to make a second one. <laughs> that movie ends on a you know it ends on a moment where they're setting up the second movie, to, without spoiling anything. But th- I, I thought he was in for that one that that I, series. I, I'm sure this would do well if it was a franchise. I wonder where they would give the reins next. I don't I don't know that I would see him doing. I don't know. I mean, obviously this is based on you nothing, but he just feels like the type of guy who's got other stories he wants to tell. Probably, but I I. I actually just dawned on me that the girl with the dragon that tattoo was Fincher's biggest flop is his biggest, even though it was critically acclaimed and actually won an Oscar, right? Or at least one. Yeah. And the, uh, but then the sequel came out and did even worse. Yeah. But the sequel wasn't, the sequel was, they, they had spent so much on the property that they distanced themselves from what didn't work. And they came back to the subsequent novel series. That was the recent hit, like the Lisbeth Salander story. They they didn't continue it. They they skipped two books. Oh, did they? Yeah. So, yeah. and I read all those books, and they they just kind of they cut off mm. the millennium part of it. Look, but look, I think uh, I I think this could be a Netflix franchise, and maybe maybe sure. like you're saying, we do not get a David Fincher follow up, but maybe somebody else makes a follow up with Fassbender here. I don't know. Maybe you can make an assassin world. Have a different assassin, you know, from a different filmmaker, and just have a bunch of different hitmen, and then eventually you have them chase each other. Eventually, you have them chase each other. I, I'm in for that, but I mean, you asked the key question in the non-spoiler section, like, is this a farce? <laughs> well, I like, I, I don't know how. Again, if we're in the non-spoiler section, like I talked about, how we have this guy, this tryhard, and we're seeing everything through his point of view. So the film is taking itself super, super seriously. But there's so many little things that he does that just, to me, like, look, I don't know a lot about being a hitman. I'm trying. <laughs> um, but there's just stuff that it just seems like a hitman would not do or shouldn't do that he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, even the, the ethos of the movie is kind of spelled out for us. In the beginning, he talks about make sure you're one of the few, not one of the many. But in the end, he talks about how you may be and he may be specifically one of the many anyway. So I do wonder if there's this underpinning of like, this is a guy, this is just an average hitman. This is the day in the life of what an average hitman goes through. And he's not a particularly great hitman, but this is what he does. I definitely have moments where I'm like, a real hitman's not going to leave himself that unguarded he, he makes a car door wide open after he kills a guy on the right. side of the road right it, it seems like he's risky in moments and and he falls asleep in front of another assassin's yes. house like in view of <laughs> like the there's house so many there's so many little i don't want to like dive deep into this like yeah but there's so many little parts of like what is there's this a few serious? well here's the thing it's this is obvious you know you don't want a movie 
made by non-assassins. This is why probably assassins should make movie about <laughs> movies about assassins because right, only they course. would get it. Right. But but look, I mean, the fact that we need to see a fallible hitman who's incompetent at times and 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 but he here's what mitigates all of this for me. Like he talks about the fact that he's been he's lived this charmed life that he's batted a thousand. Like Ted Williams, the, that one line is is what makes me think. But also, like it also goes in line with the tryhardness of it all. Like all these rhetorical sayings that he says to himself over and over again. It, it's kind of lame. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, yeah, oh absolutely. But you know I don't I mean? think like, they're touting this guy as the coolest dude. I mean, the best, the bee's knees here, Michael. I mean, I don't. Yeah, he's, he's they're making fun hard. of. Him. Yeah, no, they're definitely, this is definitely a critique of uh, a certain type of person. If I was assassinated by a professional hitman and I found out he was asking himself, what would John Wilkes Booth do seriously (laughs) afterwards? I would be ashamed at myself for having fallen to that guy. That was one of his cornier jokes in this movie. (laughs) Uh, And yet it still elicited a chuckle from me. That being said, I'm glad there was unexpected drama throughout and yet... His hit rate here is still pretty darn good. I mean, when you look at just the list, like he fails in Paris, he does miss. That was his one. Yes. But then, but then you have the the lawyer Charles Parnell talking about protocols in place is if an assassin misses, where there's a quote unquote insurance policy that the client Claiborne at the end of the movie, the Jurassic World or Jurassic uh, Park Two guy, right, the, the evil billionaire there. From engine. Oh yeah, huh. yeah. So, so Claiborne at the end of the movie seems to corroborate the boast by by uh, Fassbender earlier in the film that he's batted a thousand because otherwise he would have been killed for a failed mission before that. And then you look at the rest of his movie; he does succeed with the the cab company, the cabbie. He succeeds with the lawyer and the lawyer's office manager. He succeeds, uh, but not without serious issues with the brute and one of the assassins. He succeeds with Tilda Swinton, and then he only succeeds in threatening the client. I wonder why he doesn't kill him too. I was going to ask you that. What's your theory? I. Th- Thought I rewatched the movies and I and yet I didn't. I rewatched the movie a couple times and yet I didn't catch a line that I thought I heard the first time I watched it, where he just wanted to scare the billionaire because it was worth more to him to scare him and he was more trouble than he was worth to kill him. Because then he, there, gets, he does leave him. I don't remember what the specific line is, but he leaves him with a looming threat of like, if you do this again, I'm going to be. A, I will make it so you disappear. So I think there is a power to to Fassbender's character in the threat of him existing and yeah. maybe doing good and fixing, and maybe even going above and beyond to like right the wrongs that he did as Claiborne. And he's like, I'll kill you slow too. By the way, yeah. I'll I'll put something on your coffee mug and you'll die very, very slowly and horribly of this facial necrosis. He says, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 effed up. Uh, it's also effed up, I think, to look at it from a bird's eye view, where the guy, the most evil behind it all, gets right. away with it gets in away a with sense. It, but it's also a, he also has uh, Fastbender's telling us all throughout. I mean, this is Fincher esque too. Those in power, those with the most money. You know, it's funny how the cops only pursue the cops' effort in pursuing dead bodies is in correlation with how wealthy that person was. Right. Uh, right. It's a, yeah, obviously a, a, a dictation on modern society. There's no question. And I do f- believe he's obsessed with modern society in this movie. And I sure. I would like to kind of go through the plot with you now if you're in, 
because there's a lot of details to enjoy and relish in this movie. I, it's rare that I do this, but I, I got caught up in just taking notes on this movie. There's so many little flourishes that just, they, they either bother me a great deal or I love them. And it's just one of those type of movies where you have to engage with in a way. I don't, I, like, I don't know. I don't know if, it, if that, like, should we talk more about the themes of this movie or should we just kind of dive in is, is a question I've been wrestling with for a while. Uh, we can di- we can dive in and see where it goes. Yeah, hmm. because I don't think I think it's the opposite of nihilism. Even though the character is certainly nihilistic, like you're like you you wrote he, down I mean, here. He says, I mean, he taught the opening voiceover when we're in the uh, he's setting up for his hit and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's talking about how you know people die. Four point something people are are born every second. One point eight people die every second. Nothing I do in this life is going to make a difference in those metrics and blah blah blah. He's talking about the hopelessness of it all. And yet, the, <laughs> this movie is as hopeful as anything. It ends with him beautifully saying, "I am one with the human race. I'm one of the many." I'm <laughs> yeah, that's a running <laughs> theme. Is is him like his evolution as a person is? He's full of shit. He, He's totally yeah, full of but, shit. But so are all of us, right? Yeah. Like, like that's he adapts his ethos. He adapts his mantra. You think he's this cold, hard killer that like has this set of ways and this set of rules that he has to follow. And the reality is, he's going to bend those rules to fit whatever situation he's in. He's like, it's physically exhausting doing nothing. Yeah. And then next thing you know, he's doing finger push-ups and balancing yoga. It's just like <laughs> the height of irony in this movie. It's just ludicrous. He's sleeping upright in his chair. He's con- he's only eating protein, by the way. Everything he eats. So that, I mean, takes, he, he loses the muffins out of the Egg McMuffins and just has a ham and eggs, you know, do- ham, double ham, double egg sandwich there. Well, he's got to stay in shape. Yeah, you want you you figure out why he's so uh, so so thin. Obviously, the the iPad Nano, the Smiths, the funny as hell. Just the fact that that's his reality. Uh, oh my! It's god. It's used well too because you want to hear the Smiths song, and it, it, Fincher juxtaposes. It goes back and forth between what Fassbender's seeing and the Target, and the only the Smiths are playing during the Target. And then we cut back, and the Smiths are cut off because Fassbender's got to say something to himself. We go back to the Target, the Smiths song is playing again, and it's intercut like that, like eight times or six times throughout that scene in rapid succession. And the buildup. To the big miss, by the way, is hilarious when you think about it because it's like I serve no God or country. He's giving us his manifesto. If I'm effective, it's because of one simple fact. I don't give a, you know, and then, and then, and then he's like, stick to the plan, stick to it, but don't, but he gives us that whole mantra for the second time in the movie and then he misses. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too. His mantra is in real time. So when something happens that he doesn't expect, it cuts off. You know mm. what I mean? Like, he, so he's actually telling himself this as it happens, and he's 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 talking to himself and talking to himself, and then he hears a noise, and somebody's going to come in to drop off the mail, and he thinks he might have the, the they might have the drop on him. He doesn't know if it's an alien, an enemy, or something. So he mm-hmm. just cuts his mantra off. He's like, "Oh shit, something's going on." And the same thing with uh with missing the target and hitting the wrong person. He's like, "I don't give a fuck." Bang. Oh fuck. <laughs> okay, gotta get out of here. Gotta get out of here. Gotta get out of here. <laughs> and and that uh, escape sequence, by the way. Some of the best filmmaking Fincher's done in a while, like the disposing of the gun and his equipment on the scooter escape. Like he's throwing one thing down a drain, he's throwing a bag in the in the uh, you know the the garbage truck back. 
you know, the cops seem to find him for a minute and you see him freaking out and you intercut with him, his face breathing heavily behind the, the motorcycle mask and the cop, you see the cop break when he looks back and then next thing you know, he's down a flight of stairs mm-hmm. and, and he loses him and he gives him the slip cutting back to his face in that bike helmet. My God. And then, of course, he's finally away and on the train, I guess, or on the cab, excuse me. What would John Wilkes Booth do? What a jerk. And he's always, it, it does a good job, too. He's all, His head's always on a swivel. The man in the suit, the dog with the muzzle on in the train station. You know, this Fincher does a great job of heightening up the tension even during nothingness. And, and yeah, he gives into the paranoia of the character. Yeah. Like, we watch him kind of fixate on this other passenger who seems to be following him around the airport to the point where he delays his flight a day just to get away from that person. (laughs) The guy with the socks and sets up the room. Yeah. Puts the, puts the cup on the top of the door handle. That Which what is, again, if you're serious, if you're a serious hitman, all that's going to do is cause a a loud noise in the middle of the night for other people to, I don't know. (laughs) It's weird shit. Well, I don't know. It'll wake him up. He's a light. The thing in front of the door, I understand. The the glass resting, balancing precariously on a cylinder door handle, I don't think is a good move. (laughs) Maybe not. Uh, I love his aliases. Obviously, that was a very funny. That's another thing. This is there's so many little things that are like this is ridiculous. Look, I again, I don't have a lot of experience as a hitman, (laughs) but I don't. I think your odds of being figured out as a questionable person in general, probably increase if you use aliases that are famous TV characters every time, as opposed to like, you know, John Smith. <laughs> Both <laughs> characters from The Odd Couple, Felix Unger, Oscar Madison, Archibald Bunkers, where I started to clue in, Howard Cunningham from Happy, Happy Days, Ruben Kincaid of the Partridge Family, Sam Malone from Cheers, George Jefferson from the Jeffersons, and like a deep cut to finish, Robert Hartley of the Bob Newhart Show. Like I wrote them all down every time there's an alias. Yeah. I'm glad you figured out Robert Without Hartley fan. because the only one I, I found was the one on Wikipedia who was uh, an English statesman in the uh, 1500s. Oh, really? <laughs> so I was like, that doesn't fit at all. <laughs> but yeah, he, he goes by all these aliases that are famous TV characters. And in my mind, I'm watching this like if I'm thinking about a professional hitman watching this being like, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> well, you think, yeah, you, you would think that. And, and, yet, and yet you would also think that these professional hitmen, the few that we've ever been you know, exposed to like the Iceman guy who did all the interviews right. in prison, right? He's torturing cats somewhere. So this is not, I mean, the whole thing's unrealistic, right? I yeah. mean, is there ever been, hopefully, hopefully, has there ever been a person like this or this just totally fictional? I wonder, but I, uh, he does go home to the Dominican Republic. The music is kind of haunting as he's traveling there. It's Jesus Christ, the, the Reznor and Ross of it all. He goes home, he finds footprints next to cigarette butts, you know, at, at his front gate. Yep. It's a crazy like suspenseful nice way to for him to, you know, figure out. He is that. an aware guy. He, I mean, he does have his skills. He's 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 always on the lookout. Like you said, the paranoia is very well put in place for us to see, but it's also well justified at times. But so it's a hell of a sequence of him fu- eventually finding his way to the hospital after he realizes what's happened around his house, that his, his, his loved one was hurt. Now, you're upset that, you don't know who she is, so you don't really get to know her. I mean, yeah, it, it, I didn't understand the that she was a consequence of his miss the first time. I thought it was like a non sequitur. So I was like, "Where's the tie-in?" But 
it was made clear that's that's my mistake on the first the first watch. Even though I figure it's not that I went the entire movie thinking that it wasn't. I just at the moment I was you were like, texting oh, why me she... very very angrily. Well, I was texting. That was actually my second watch through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second time when I was texting you, but the first time I was like, I don't understand what's going on with this woman. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, Oh, of course, it's a revenge plot. Okay, I'm I'm dumb. So yeah, that's a me problem. Oh well, okay. I mean, yeah. we're all dumb at times. <laughs> um, you just have your moments too. No, I I I mean, it, do you, I get that we would want like in a revenge plot, we're kind of conditioned to for Braveheart, right? Like a taken, right? Taken. You know, like exactly that type of thing. Like you, okay. the idyllic opening, exactly act. right. So, and that's why I think this is like a subversion of expectation in that you don't really get the details of who this woman is. You don't get the details of what the relationship is with Fassbender. You, know, the only thing we know about her, and you're even left to your own, own devices and kind of figuring that out, is that she's collateral for his fuck up, and she also loves the hell out of him. I mean, the fact that she's talking about the horrible things she goes through because she's apparently yep. brutalized tortured yep. tortured and, and and raped there and and good god he's staring at her with tears in his eyes and she's telling him that she got through it and she escaped because all she thought about was not being able to see him again mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah like like that scene is worth the revenge plot in my opinion oh yeah 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 i i agree with that i agree i agree it is so again, yeah. I was just being dumb on first watch. No, I I, I, th- I think it's interesting that it, he's subverting the genre in a way, which is cool. And and yet, and yet, so a lot of people see through his character. Like the doctor sees through his character. Like he tries to give her a wad of cash and she walks away. Like that was a nice moment too, you know. And yet, back to he might be a doofus of a hitman. So he lets <laughs> he lets that anger kind of. Okay, I'm gonna get do this big revenge plot. Let me dig up the safe that I have buried in my front yard that doesn't mm. look suspicious at all to people who are driving by. Uh, get all my guns out, and then I'm gonna race to this next place. And by racing to this next place, instead of being a cool, calm, collected hitman, I'm gonna drive erratically. He's driving in the middle of two lanes. Mm. Like he, this guy is doing everything in the little things to stick out to me. That I don't. It feels like a hitman just wouldn't do. So like I. I whether that's a a thesis on how he's still human and like the emotions are getting the better of him, which it probably is, or again, it, 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 my wild theory of that he's just not that great of a hitman yet. If this is a movie about modern day professionalism and how we all screw up and how our f ups, <laughs> right. but I mean, we all skirt disaster at all times. It's kind of the you yeah, know, he's ha- human, right? Yeah, um, he gets. I mean, he does. He gets the big things right. He screws up a lot of little things. But to me, if you're a hitman, the little things are what's more important to get right anyway. If you're a hitman, the big things perfect, are the, the, the yeah, the, the, the big things are the mission. Anyway, it's it, by the contrast of the brute, right? The the Floridian, you know, that guy screws up a lot too. And and, you know, for that matter, Tilda Swinton. And the craziest thing about the Tilda Swinton character is how how Michael Fassbender refers to her. Like he he hears from the cabbie Leo. He gets a name of the cab cab driver, mm-hmm. and they they have a conversation before he shoots the guy in cold blood, which is a brutal killing. Yeah, like it reminded his me kills of are brutal. Zodiac, right? Brutal, yeah. brutal yeah. makes you want to cry. I mean, 
and and he's like, I blame you, Leo, for having to bring work home, leading into that sequence. And then she's t- he's talking about the freak and the lady. The lady looks like a Q-tip. Later in the movie, bef- he he's staking out Tilda Swinton, and he's like, you know what? Leo did say she looked like a Q-tip. <laughs> and I just thought of it as like, this guy is hearkening back to this conversation. It's like it's just with his buddy. And it was like with a guy he brutally murdered. I was I was laughing in the sicko way. Couldn't well, who believe us myself. hasn't shot our friend in the back of the head as they were crying for their lives in his cab, you know? Oh, the humanity, Michael. <laughs> so so yeah, I mean it's, I just the next sequence is one of Fincher's best in a while as well. Like that going home to New Orleans, a thousand restaurants, one menu, where good old professor, whatever his name, convinced me to stop studying the law, which I thought of you in that moment. Like, he hates he hates working. <laughs> he every time he goes to a place, he has like these really jaded, cynical things to say about it did remind me of me. He just hates Louisiana. He hates a thousand restaurants, one menu. Florida, where can you see so many like minded people outside of a penitentiary? Like he just hates working. <laughs> he and he does hate he hates America and he hates every major city. But he's always <laughs> he definitely is always uh traveling and uh this movie's obsessed with like every kiosk, every key card, every delivery person. They're they're, they're obsessed. Video all of these levels. filmmakers. It's totally. I mean, there is a video game series called Hitman. Mm. That, like I said, I think I said this in the non-spoiler section. But like, it's it's very similar to like you, you got to infiltrate, you got to adapt, you got to find the guy, uh, the delivery man who you can blend into and kind of. But even then, Mike. Okay, so <laughs> he gets into the lawyer's office. By staging himself as a recycling man. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll buy that. The best you're going to do as a professional hitman is a hand-drawn recycling tag that you color in in the van. Like, that's not... You don't think that's going to draw suspicion, maybe? Or be more memorable for... Don't you want to blend in if you're a hitman? Not be, oh, yeah, it was weird. I saw this recycling guy, and he had a weird tag. It looked like it was hand-colored. <laughs> Not professional at all. Seen it in a movie once. It worked. It worked for the, the, the ten minutes where he needed it. I don't know. I like. Yeah, these are good questions. Like people don't notice. People don't care. They're on their phones. I. I don't know. It's just like a. I don't know. I'm not getting very deep on that, but yeah, I think maybe these details are lost to the filmmakers of this movie or the writers of the graphic novel or what whatnot. But yeah, I think I think you wanted more of the the hardcore minutia. Of this procedural that you did not get. That being said, I don't want to think I'm a better hitman than the main character. <laughs> it's funny when you're talking about a reality show ultimately coming upon his uh, his hangers or his storage facility, right? Yeah, the, the, when he talks about how he has the automatic payments set up for his uh, storage facilities, he's got six of them throughout, and he thinks about the episode of Storage Wars when the automatic <laughs> payments dry up when they open in and what they'll find. Yeah, that being said, like the, there's some funny scenes in sure. the lawyer sequence, like him talking to the FedEx delivery guy. You're a lifesaver just for holding the elevator door open for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Dolores again, the Dolores character, Carrie O'Malley, great performance here. Oh my god, oh my god, stop saying that. The the, the fact that he counted the seconds for the door to close. Love and then, that. I love that. Was like an audience participation thing that Fincher did there too. Love that as well. And then the way he kills Charles Parnell is brutal. And then he is like, you know, three nine-inch nails, middle-aged non-smoker, should last six, seven minutes. The guy dies immediately. I was just like, oh, yeah. my God. 
Yeah. I was laughing hard like a jerk. And then immediately you go back to Dolores and you're just like, oh, my God, this is brutal. Maybe this is Fincher saying being a hitman's really hard. <laughs> you know? Maybe that's the reason that he made this movie. I just want to let you guys know. Well, I wonder why that people are drawing parallels to being a hitman. You know, you gotta, I got to make the hits. Just make the hits. Right. And then, you know, they're, they're drawing the parallels for him as a director. Fincher is a director. Mm, yeah i don't know it's a that to me that's i just i'm not with that yeah that seems like a bit of a reach but i could see that i could see the strings of it i could see the dad jokers out there enjoying that but uh, look at uh, the the begging i guess i am begging monologue she was great that dolores character was great you're absolutely right and the way she's this this batched with is brutal as well like this this is it is this weird and this is another reason it's just a bizarre watch like yes there are these funny moments and yes there is this kind of like Mr. Magoonis to his hitman ice cold killerness going on in almost every scene, but these kills are brutal. And, and the, the she knew she had like a 10 second window to escape yep. when she got to her home and he's just going to open the garage door and for her to freak out before she's able and then just resign to her, the facts of it. Oh, just and all this is happening as he's again adapting his ethos and his mantras in his head, you know, to forbid empathy, don't let it get in your mind. And yet at the same time, okay, we think maybe he's going to let Dolores live. And he lets everybody like go through their own monologues. He really does. He lets everybody come to grips with it. He'd rather them figure it out and just be calm with it at the end of the day. It's, it's brutal, absolutely psychologically and physically brutal that that whole sequence. So I guess I'd ask you, do you think, because we, we see him step over her. Do you think he disposed of two bodies or one when we see like the, you know, the, the montage of him covering his tracks? Probably two, right? Still? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, they literally show a, show him stepping yeah, over they her. Yeah, they do. However. Yeah, in my mind, he left her there, but that's also her home. Because she was begging him to just, you know, let the insurance find this, let let this be a murder. Let right. This... And he, I mean, she fell down the stairs, so she could have snapped her neck and she fell down the stairs. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? So, yeah, I would think that he left her there. Anyway, we go to Florida. Ah, the sh- sunshine state. You, you, <laughs> you discussed the joke already. It's a hilarious um, thing he puts on his windshield, whatever that, that screen is called. Yeah, Need help? Please. That? Please call police. Why does that exist? <laughs> what could that be for? The Brutes truck has a La Cucaracha horn on it. The mm-hmm. guy's a reckless driver. We see him limping because obviously the, the 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 loved one, the girl, escaped him, messed up his leg. Uh, he makes the joke when they're walking into a strip club, maybe a mandatory waiting period for creatine is not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> the pit bull's name is Diva. And I love that dog, by the way. And I love Fincher for not hurting the dog, yes. of course. Yes. That yes. is totally necessary. And for the dog to have a care, The dog is a character. The dog won't eat the first two meatballs with NyQuil he throws. He's got to tempt the dog with a third piece, you know, meatball with NyQuil. And then that beast of a dog wakes up well too early before he's yeah. supposed to wake She's supposed to and wakes up. right up, by the way, a little unrealistic, like hops <laughs> right to attention and runs in through. But it was. Yeah, I love that dog. too. Great year for dogs in these mm. Oscar movies. Anatomy of a Fall. Where do you see that? What a great doggy movie that is, too. Now, he takes three punches in this fight, and this is a great fight. But he takes three punches after being a fight fan and watching the UFC and watching the what, what I've seen. The, the, the last months of my brothers getting me into the UFC and the mm-hmm. boxing and all that. He takes yeah. three punches in this fight. 
that would have killed him. Never mind, knocked him out. Uh, don't watch pro wrestling would be my advice. <laughs> <laughs> that being if that's said, how you're going to go about this. Awesome fight. We already talked about it. I love there, there's some hilarious moments in this fight, even though there's some disgusting and revolting ones as well. But when he picks up the cheeseburger grater and he's like, oh, Jesus. And then he uses it as a diversion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great moment. Uh, the shaky cam, like I said, you know, but the, I mean, there's, you know, the guy, he he pushes a guy onto a table, a sharded oh, table. Oh, yeah. The sharded flipped over table leg right up the sphincter. Oof. That old chestnut. Brutal. Like, and then you turn on the lights in the bathroom to show the final kill. Yeah. Like, you're David Fincher. That whole thing's in the dark, mostly, even though we could see just enough of it. But you turn on the lights for the brutal kill, and then you show the dog sniffing around a brief cry before the dog chases after him, crashes through the window. Oh, my God. That was awesome. He also didn't let the, the, the muscle in Florida give his speech. Like, he starts to, you know, you know... And, and he's, you think you're going to get this the big bad guy speech before he's finally executed like we do in so many movies. And no, it's just three right through the door. No, we don't want the, the rapist to, to speak to us. So that, that, it's good. Again, Fincher, his sensibilities are right on. We move to the Beacon, New York sequence right outside of New York City, apparently, or Westchester, I forget. But uh, I was wondering where that was supposed to be and wondering if I'd ever been there. And then I actually looked it up and it was shot in Chicago where the next uh, sequence is, so whatever. I mean, uh, Tilda Swinton going to that restaurant and getting, like, just a decadent array of things. And, and I tell you, when he kind of does not allow her to get the knife from the silverware there or whatever, and mm-hmm. she managed to get another knife, by the yep. way, for later, but when when he, when she when he stops her hand and then she looks up and that realization moment like that's what i want the oscars to acknowledge at some point <laughs> that moment that's what i want you want the academy to watch movies for hours upon hours mm-hmm. and pick out one scene yes. that has no dialogue no gestures <laughs> yeah just, just gestures okay all right well hey we all have our dreams huh <laughs> right i mean that scene is too much don't get me wrong even though it's i loved it i, I mean i love like I wanted to eat everything on the table. I wanted to drink whiskey, even though whiskey is disgusting to me. I, I don't drink it, but well, I don't either. I, what is her role? Who is she in this? So she is one of the two assassins that was there torturing the, the girl. Okay. All right. I didn't get that. So she, the, the freak and the lady with the cabbie told. Okay. Her. So- I thought the lady was uh fastbenders, whoever. No, the freaking the lady was yeah. so tilted. Okay. So he's on a revenge tour, going through. Yeah, that she's the one of the freaking the lady. Tilda Swinton wasn't the freak. <laughs> she was the lady, <laughs> and the fact that she tells a sodomy joke about a grizzly bear that I've I heard love that in my life. That joke was great. It puts the whole game into perspective for Fassbender too. It's like you know. What do you really care about? You're going to act like you're on this big vengeful like case because you you care about this woman, but you're going to keep showing up to your job. You're going to keep doing what you're doing. So yeah. why are you acting? And she she even said that plain, in plain English as soon as he sat down. Like, we all have these people that get in the way of our goals, essentially, is what she said. Like, this is part of the job. You know this. And you're going to keep showing up to the job. So why are you taking this grandstanding approach as if I did something wrong? You know this is part of the game. And she, yeah, she's trying to convince him to let her go. Yeah, it's and and then when she can't do that, she's 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 fighting to the very end, and mm-hmm. she has the knife at the very end after he he does her in, which is again as 
as chilling and as iconic an assassin v assassin confrontation can be in my opinion like that like fincher did it like to me that was one of the all-time best the kills come quick to like you don't really expect them in the scene at least i didn't like this next snap of the secretary i didn't expect it to happen when it happened the the shooting of uh, tilda swinton i didn't expect to happen when it happened you think you're going to get the big speech from the rapist in florida and these kills were very very quick and then we're, we're subverting our expectations again when we do the whole Claiborne sequence. It's a long yeah. buildup at the Balequinox gym, right? I mean, this <laughs> Bal- whole thing. Balequinox. It's got to be Balequinox. Anyway, he finally gets into the uh, he finally gets into the guy's apartment, the, the gated or whatever, the, the security, high security apartment, and he does not kill this guy. And... It, was that a letdown for you? It was a bit of a letdown for me in a way. He just intimidates him, and that's that. It wasn't a letdown. Be- hmm. Look, you can kill an assassin, and you're only going to raise questions in the assassin world, right? If you kill a guy like that and that power, you're, you're going to be a hunted man forever, and you're going to be hunted by the cops and the feds. Right. and you know. So like, you buy that then? Yeah, I mean... Well, it's not untrue, right? Unfortunately, <laughs> isn't yeah. that like kind of a, one of the problems with <laughs> investigations in general in this country right now? So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe that's also why we are distanced as viewers from Claiborne's involvement with this plot at all anyway. Mm-hmm. Like we don't see him as the big bad looming over this thing. This entire we don't see anything from his POV until we encounter him. We don't see him as the big bad for this entire movie. Right. Because then Fincher's able to let him live without, like, us being outraged that he's allowed to live. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's disgusting that he's allowed to live, but at least we didn't see him getting away with all this brutal shit in the meantime. Right. And and the the, the kicker in that scene is, like, I'm here with a silenced pistol and you're clueless as to why I'm here. Meaning there's more than one skeleton in your closet. There's a million of them. Oh, my God. So yeah, he goes back to the DR, and I guess they're elsewhere. But he has her and him, you know, living in paradise. She makes her an espresso, so that's a nice little ending. And then the credits over there is a light that never goes out by the Smiths. And here are the lyrics: And if a double decker bus crashes into us, to die by your side is such a heavenly way to die. <laughs> And if a Ted Tud truck kills the both of us to die by your side, well, the pleasure, the privilege is mine. <laughs> like, are Aww. you kidding me? <laughs> That's are adorable. You me? But it's it's adorable. It's romantic, and it's the most effed up thing I ever heard. Oh my god! So that was his. I mean, we can deduce now that was his lover. Oh yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Glad we cleared that up. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious, where does this movie rank in like, like your your Fincher filmography? I have my rankings now, and where does it rank for like assassin movies with your? Well, life? as far as linear Fincher movies, it's right up there with Mank. No, it's uh, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not seven. And it's not Zodiac, which I keep in very, very high regard, but it's up there. It's probably in the upper half, certainly more so than the lower half. I think the social network's his best. I think in terms of the social pure... network isn't even. I mean, it's it's so good. 
It might be the perfect movie. Gone Girl is really good. And yes. even though the obviously the characters are scum and what it's saying about society is is gross. However, it's 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 a great movie. Especially it's like one of the all-time great like just one of the all-time great date movies, like effed up date. Anyway, Gone Girl's up there. Fight Club still up there. I rewatched it lately. It's great, even though it's the the raw. The people like it for the wrong reasons. Clearly, very yeah. Zodiac might be a masterpiece. Like these movies are great. Seven. Is, it's hard to rewatch, but it's obviously. Impactful you put Panic personally. Room above this. Huh? I think I would put this above Panic Room. I'm right at, like, Panic Room, The Killer, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I'm very high on all of them. They're all, like, in the same level for me. Mank is, and Mank and The Curious Cage of Benjamin Buttman, The Game. Obviously, Alien 3 is a whole nother level of crap. It's not a great right. movie. Right, well, it's a different, yeah. But it's not he, a movie. he's made 11 out of 12 good movies, and yet I, I would say I probably love 9 or 10 of them. You know, I mean, it's that's where I'm at. He's one of the best. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, he's one of the best in the game. This is very worthy of being in his filmography. And then I wonder where this ranks in terms of the all-time greatest assassin movies. Now, every I think every, you know, every generation has their movies. Like, you could go back and ask your dads or your uncles, and they would probably say The Manchurian Candidate, The Parallax View, The Day of the Jackal, John Woo's The Killer, La Femme Nikita, Leon the Professional, Prezi's Honors, apparently. I didn't, I've never seen Le Samurai or Prezi's Honor or The Iger Sanction or any of these old old OG assassin movies, but I have seen Kill Bill. <laughs> Obviously, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's great. Collateral, to me, is one of the best. Yeah, I agree with that. In Bruges as a comedy. Gross Point play, Blank as a comedy. John Wick 4, I mean, look, I mean, that grades are high, but it's just action spectacular. I mean, there's so many franchise versions of this, the Equalizer, John Wick, Bourne franchise. You know, this you is got- higher concept than those, though, right? Right, but this is like the purest version. Like, I think the Iceman was trying to be a movie like this. Yes, I would agree with that. You know, but then you got your your, your you know the American for the George Clooney movie was trying to be a mm-hmm. all time classic like this. This 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 hit it. You know, for me, it's like when I think of professional killers, I'm gonna think of Michael Fassbender from now now on. I really am. But there's there's a lot of deep cuts. I mean, Hannah and uh, the, the Kill List. You know, there's a lot of deep cut. Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. There's a bunch of movies like that could, that could be on an all-time list. Some people love Possessor. You know, it's a futuristic version. But a I'm lot not, of those movies, if not all I, of them, like the killer is so cool and he's on top of everything. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yeah, things go wrong, but he's... Well, things, this one it's tough to explain. Like things go wrong, but it's 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 all things that are plot points to go wrong. The, no country just, for yeah, no yeah. country for old men. That guy Anton Trigger is never at a disadvantage. Right, Munich, exactly. They got they got the jump on everybody in Munich. And this is not the case in this movie, which makes it more real, more human. Would you consider something like Sicario a hitman movie? It's more of an FBI kind of CIA movie. Sicario to me, Sicario is so good. I just rewatched it again. Oh my god! I haven't watched it since it came out, but still great. I don't know if I would say it's a hitman movie though. I don't know either. Like is Pulp Fiction or Road to Perdition or Confessions of a Dangerous Mind? Like those again? Those are on my list, but are they hitman movies? Not really. Yeah, nah. I would. I wouldn't say so. 
Mm. So this one is. This one is. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you give it for a grade? I'm a B plus eighty nine. I just you know again. Wow. I'm still high on it. Maybe this is the three-point curve finally showing up in what we do. But I, I just cannot deny how this movie works for such large chunks. That I, I Look, I vehemently was opposed to the ending when I first saw it. And it's grown on oh, me really? a little bit. Yeah. It's grown you were just on me that a little bit. You upset that he, because you, you, you lived? You were upset? I just say it's like a come-down ending. Yeah. And yet, when you think about it, it's, it's fitting and it's, it's effed up in its own right. Yeah. Uh, I I love the comedy in this movie, and I'm a sicko for saying so. But like, I feel like the scenes are better than the the whole in a weird way. Like I said in non spoilers. So where do where do you land? You think the scenes are better than the whole, and you're that high on it still? It's one of those where it's just like I I think the filmmaking is so damn good. You know, I there's there's that. things I'm never gonna forget, and if I was teaching a film school class. I would bring the, I would want to bring this movie up for ten different sequences to teach kids. You know, yeah, yeah I get that. I was uh, I was a B at the start of this. I'm a higher B. It's probably a B plus at this point. But the more I think about it, the more I like it. But I was I had an 86. I'll probably do an 87 B plus. Get in that territory with you. But yeah, it's 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 a fun watch, even if it's not. It's certainly not conventional. Not conventional. Uh, I, I, I you know David Fincher. Is this like a cleansing movie for him, where he just all right, I'm going to do this badass movie for Netflix where everybody's going to see it, and then I'm going to do what I want to do next. Like, I, I don't know what he's doing next. Do you, do you have any idea? No clue, but I know this one. It's not the movie I expected. I said that already, but, like, this one was hyped for so long. And to get mm-hmm. this, it's like, oh, okay. That's a unique direction for him to go in, but that's why these auteurs do team up with Netflix is to have total control over their projects in this way. I can't bl- I can't blame him from that sense, and I can't blame people for digging in on Netflix, you know, the, for for his audience yeah. to be glad by that. That being said, I wish I do wish for a world where yeah. we have a big theatrical opening yeah. for the next. David I need Fincher. I need I need a Fincher Oscar run. Yeah, and we're, we're, it's, it's been. I mean, Mank obviously had its. It's, but it was never really a contender in any of those major categories that year, uh, so which he, was a shame to him. So he's like a producer on a few things. He's an executive producer on the Chinatown TV movie, whatever the hell that is. That's interesting. He's going to be a director in a short film anthology called Dangerous. No, he, he doesn't. Ha- he's not connected to anything that I could tell right now. World is Next. his oyster. Mm-hmm. Could be anything. Could even be a boat. Could be the killer too. <laughs> <laughs> the killer too. More kills. Uh, dear listener, what matters most to us, as always, are your thoughts. Have you seen the kill yet? If so, what did you think? What do you think its Oscars chances are? And what do you hope to see it compete for? What do you think it should compete for? Or what do you? What are we wrong about? Quite frankly, let us know that, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. As always, you can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at mm and Oscar on Twitter or X Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit to reach out to us. Uh, uh, boy, I totally lost my train of thought right there. It's been I a think, while since uh, I've had to do this closing. I think uh, I, I, I tell people what's next, and then 
Yeah, but I, I thought I, there was something else I say, but I'll, I'll I'll think about it for a second. But I joke go ahead. about yeah. I joke about words of wisdom. It is it is wise not to uh, <laughs> kill people for money. I guess I uh, it is <laughs> it is wise not to uh, suck down hard boiled eggs from plastic after you <laughs> dispose of bodies just to get some protein. But yeah, he doesn't eat very well in this movie. It's gross. Um, but he it, again. I love the fact that when you hear David Fincher talking about this movie, he eats efficiently. He needs to eat efficient anyway. The details and the, the devil's in the details, so it's wise to to be a detailed oriented filmmaker, I guess. But what's coming next is I think we're gonna dive into another movie. I wasn't sure if we do a film fest uh, film uh, study on the holdovers, Mike, but I just saw it. It was it's worth biting into, I think. And I'm a little uh, Alexander Payne is. Causing causing you some pain. Right. Uh, but it was either that or Priscilla. I kind of reviewed Priscilla already. I think the holdovers is the big Oscars. It's you know, contending up that way. It's even it though I'm seem. the tea leaves very are glad. that way. I'm very glad that Priscilla's making enough money and I think uh I think uh Anatomy of a Fall made enough money overseas to, to be in the mix. I want to do Anatomy of a Fall with you. I still That's do. gotta come to POV soon. It, it probably to, will. Right? We probably, you know, we probably shouldn't hesitate. Just we'll do it when it comes out there. It's another movie that should play very well at home. I would think. I would think too. And I was, I actually, I was worried about seeing that in theaters for the reasons that I have. That like if I, you know, especially in an international film, if I go to the bathroom, <laughs> I got a lot. Oh, of you're gonna miss a lot. Right. You're gonna miss a lot. So no question. Um, so Killers of the Flower Moon. We may still weigh in on that. Rustin. Saltburn, Napoleon. We got a lot of opportunities for film studies. Yeah, so we're going to pick and choose and not commit to anything right now. But uh, we're going to commit to doing some more film studies. I think those are coming. (laughs) There you go. That's that's playing it safe. Uh, I I remember what I forgot to say. You can check us out on... uh, uh, on I, I, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And, uh, mm. Yeah, I, I didn't say that. Uh, my mind, well, I've never had my mind go so blank in the middle of a sentence. Did you tell them to rate us? Saying. Yeah, rate exactly. us five stars? Five stars. If you like what we're doing, you should do that. That'd be mm. nice. That helps us out. Does Thank help everyone us. who has done so thus far. Um, that's what I should have said minutes ago, but now we're okay. here. So, Well, I should have listened to what you said. I, mm-hmm. I played it off like I was, I, I forgot too, but I just didn't yeah. listen to you. Yeah, that's a Is current that theme. <laughs> <laughs> when Stick reality to the plan <laughs> forbid empathy when reality sucks you can repeat your mantra with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see ya